Good morning, church. Good to see all of you today. Our scripture lesson this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for your word, grateful for your presence in our life, grateful that you've given us as a guide. And I pray, Lord, as we speak this morning, Lord, that you might be present in our words and that you might speak to each one of our hearts with uh, what we need to hear. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to begin by uh, sharing a little story that uh, actually Sandy sent me on email of one of the residents at Place of Promise, one of the ministries we've long supported. Uh, one of the people who's one of the residents there said, uh, when I was a little girl, I remembered my life being controlled by the effects of my family's sin and the depression that came with it. I remembered screaming, God, why? Please save me. In my head and, and wondering why he would let me endure this pain. I remember not knowing if I was gonna make it to 13, if I would ever learn to drive, ever to get married. I remember hating the world with so much anger and spite in my heart, wishing I had never been born. When I reached sixth grade, I decided I was no longer going to have a future. I didn't believe God loved me, nor did I believe he had plans for me. I went on like this for the next three years, walking as a dead girl in a living person's body. I had no hope. But then I moved back into Place of Promise. I think she had been there as a child with her mother. I always stayed in contact with Beth, uh, who's the director there, because she was like my grandmother. But to actually live in that place where I could see her every day changed me. I learned about the love of Christ and the power that comes with it. I learned that my family's actions had no control over me, that I wouldn't become like them. And as I stayed at Place of Promise, I had a longing to help children so they wouldn't become like them either. So I became the leader of the Kids of Promise program. My heart was bursting with joy. It also broke my heart knowing the children I lead were in similar, if not worse, situations than I had been. And that's what's motivated me now to go to college. I've written this letter to you to explain the impact of your donations and prayers. I want to understand how you've changed my life. I never believed I'd be going to college. I never believed I'd have the privilege of helping children and adults come to know the powerful name of Jesus Christ. So I thank you for everything. So this is a note actually sent to Sandy, who's you know, the uh, executive director, the chair of the board, a place of promise. And I share this story for a few different reasons. You know, one, it's a remarkable story of, you know, to encourage us to say, wow, God is acting, God is changing people's lives, and we can give praise and thanks and glory to God. I think also I share the story because, I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're so thankful for Place of Promise, thankful for our partnership with that ministry from its very beginnings in the middle 90s and still to this day, and how many times we've had Beth come in here and share, and every time she does, it's just remarkable. What an incredible woman and amazing thing to stand next to, uh, stand with. But the third reason, and most uh, applicable today, is how what happened to this girl Sinai, as her name, is, um, 
is directly comes from their vision of what they want to be as a ministry, right? Their vision is to rebuild broken lives. That is what they're about. And then they, and, and they're, you know, the way they carry that out is they believe if they bring uh, people into Christ uh, in, in community life centered around Christ, it can transform people's lives. I'm going to talk today about what our vision and mission is as we go into this next season, because your vision and mission guide what you do, and you need to know why you do what you do. And those are fancy words, but they're, what a vision is, a vision statement, is what do you, you know, what, it's, an, it's an aspirational statement. What do you want to become? What do you want to be? It's not necessarily what you are at that moment, but it's what you're striving to be. And then what a mission statement is, is what are you going to be doing now? that's hopefully going to get you to that place to be what your vision is. That makes sense. So, you know, Place of Promise, their vision is rebuilding broken lives. And their mission, they go, we're going to do it by bringing people into Christ-centered community. You know, then they have methodologies, right, which come out of their mission, which says, hey, we're going to, we're going to actually have houses, and we're going to buy houses up in this place, and we're going to actually put them there's in all the methodologies you do. Now, methodologies are always changing based on what your context is, what you're able to do, but you understand your vision and mission. You think what we read from Matthew 28, right? You know, Jesus came there and gave people a vision of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom is coming, and beyond that, we want not just, you know, your, for your kingdom come, but for your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That is our vision for what we desire. And so he basically sent them then on a mission. So how are we going to begin to accomplish? What are we going to be doing? We're going to send you, therefore, go into all the nations, you know, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That is what our method's going to be to ultimately bring the kingdom and let this, let this world here, until the kingdom come, let this God's will be done here on earth. So what we talked this morning is what we want to be as a church. We've talked about this, but you need to keep it before your eyes or you forget. You forget why you do things, you just do stuff. Say, so you no, know, why are we doing it and does it fit into what we want to be? And, uh, you know, the methodologies will, should follow your mission, which follows your vision. And so we want to talk about that today and how has, and things are different now. We're in a new season and everything's changing, but your purposes don't change. But how you play them out does. So that's what we're going to do today. We'll talk about our vision and our mission. Uh, our vision is right on the front of your, of your bulletin. We uh, desire to be a vibrant community, being changed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, boldly following God into the world. This is what we, this is the image, this is the picture of what we are moving towards. Now, let's break that up a little bit. You know, what does it mean, you know, being changed by Jesus? Don't you think that doesn't Jesus love us the way we are? Why do we have to change? Are we changing so that God will love us? No. He loves us just the way we are. But because he loves us, he also doesn't want to leave us the way we are. Thank you, Jesus. We need to change. We are not all that God has made us to be. You know, God, you know, the, 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 we're in the heart of what the gospel is, is that, you know, God made us in his image, each and every one of us a unique and different picture of that image. And this world in its amazement is broken. We don't operate the way we should. This world doesn't operate the way it should. And this is a key foundational idea, right? And um, 
I actually think when you're dealing with um, sort of a reasons for the truth of the gospel or why you would believe the Bible, to me, this has always been one of the most um, uh, persuasive things for me personally. Because this strange world we live in is in one sense the most beautiful, most amazing place you've ever seen, isn't it? You st you're stunned by its complexity, by its wonder, by its beauty. And you think, wow, of course there's a God when you look at it all. But then you see people all look at this and say, but what's all this other stuff going on? There's all this wars and cruelty and evil and horrors and, you know, hurricanes and disasters. You're like, I don't get it. How can something be so beautiful and amazing and so horrible? People are the same way, aren't they? You see people capable of this incredible love and sacrifice and wonder towards one another and also capable of just being cruel and horrid. Like, how is that possible? Well, to me, the Bible gives the best explanation I know or aware of, you know? I've never heard another one that really explains it, but it says because the world is made as this incredible, beautiful thing, but it's broken from God, it's broken from its master. It doesn't all bow its knee to the Lord, and we have this broken thing we see now. And God's in the process of redeeming it and bringing it back. Ultimately, he will bring a new heavens and new earth. He will restore all things. He says now... We can be reconciled to him. And through his spirit, he's renewing us. And we can begin to rebuild this world and make it as God wants it to be until he comes and sets things right. So he's in the process of changing us. And when we come to Jesus, we say, you know, God, I am still not there. Change me. Now, it's important by my word being changed by Jesus, right? Because how else could you word that? You could say, well, we are people changed by Jesus. And that's true, right? we come to him, he has changed our life. But it's not a one-time deal. And just because he changed me, I'm not all there yet. I don't know about you, but I'm still pretty darn rotten, you know? I've just become more aware of it, you know, than I was before. But that is that God is continuing his work in us, and we're being changed. And another way you could word it, too, is um, we're changing for Jesus. And a lot of people think, man, look who he is. He's, he's redeemed us. He's done all this for us. We need to change. And to me, that's really when you talk about what religion is. It's often changing for God. Doing what you can do to change for God. But you know what the problem with that is? If you're successful, by the way, in changing your life, you know, for God, what will the fruit of that be in your life? How will you really change? It'll create pride in you of how good you are. It'll create judgment towards others who aren't able to do that. And what generally happens is you actually can't really change for God. And so then you'll fail and you'll have condemnation. So changing for God yields fruit of either pride and judgmentalism or condemnation. <laughs> that is what that gets. We're being changed by Jesus. He's the one doing the work. God is changing us. And what's the fruit of that? Thankfulness, praise humility towards others, realizing we're not worthy of any of it, and God does this work in us that's beyond what we can imagine. Now, does that mean you're passive and you don't do anything, you just sit there and wait for Jesus to change you? No. That's a very unbiblical approach. But we are cooperating with our freedom. You know, we are cooperating to take hold of this new life and this new freedom, to be, and, and he's inviting us to this life that we were intended to have. To be, you know, you talk about this ultimate actualization we often talk about in our true self. Well, we're being invited to take hold of that as we are made in the image of God. And so we come alongside of him 
and let him do this work in us and create opportunities for, for him to work in us. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like a sailboat, you know, where people who put up the sail <laughs> and let the wind of God sail us across the lake. You know, when we get across that lake, we're not thinking, gosh, I'm so glad I, I, you know, I made it happen. No, without the wind, you wouldn't have moved one bit. But you cooperated, you, you worked that tiller, you did the things he's asking you to do. When you pray, when you read your Bible, when you walk with him and try to you know, go with him, you're cooperating with him. You're, you're taking hold of the life he's inviting you to take a hold of, which is very different. It's kind of like um, when you practice piano, and you could practice a bunch of piano really hard so because someone told you to, because you're going to make them happy that you did it, or you'll get your grade, or whatever it is. But then there's a person who also practices piano all the time for the joy of playing piano, for the joy of being able to say, this is wonderful, and I'm playing music, and I'm being invited. So it's like you're being invited to play the great music of God. So come, practice the piano so you can live in that life that he has for us. Because also, it's not alone, right? What's the second part of that thing is we are empowered by the Holy Spirit boldly following God to the world. When he, when he sent them out to make disciples of all the nations, he said, and I am with you always. God sends his spirit into us, which strengthens us and comforts us and enables us and is doing the work of transformation in us as we allow it. The spirit of God is at work and we are empowered by the spirit. And the spirit is the one that's working, he's speaking, he's the comforter. To do what, ultimately? To boldly follow God into the world. Because ultimately it's not about you, it's about what God wants to do in the world. We are his ambassadors. We are the way by which God proclaims his word, you know, makes himself present in the world. We are God's methodology. It's kind of scary, isn't it? And you think, gosh, because I'm so weak, I'm so scared, I'm so frail, I'm so sinful. But the idea is that we can boldly go. Why? Not because of your righteousness. As uh, Luther said, he said, sin boldly, which sounds like a funny statement. But his idea was is that you can. You can live a life of incredible confidence and boldness based on God's mercy, based on, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That God calls us to this boldness and this confidence and this walk in life that's surely based on the grace of God and says, be deadly confident in that. I love the old uh, William Carey quote, who was one of the first great leaders of the modern missions movement. He said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. The idea that because God is with you, you should have incredible boldness and strength to walk forward, even when things look terrible. Because <laughs> God is with you, you can persevere. So that is what our vision is, to be a, a vibrant community of people being changed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, boldly following God into the world, what should we be doing today to become that community? That's really what your mission statement is about. In what areas are you going to be working? And our, you know, and our church has decided to say there's four areas we want to be active in all the time in order to ultimately, hopefully, fulfill our vision. And what are they? They are to actively engage with God and his word, foster a caring community of disciples of Jesus, bring God's healing to our hurting world, and invite our neighbors to follow Jesus with us. Again, let's, let's break these down one by one. Actively engage with God in his word. We actually believe God is there. 
right? He is present. He's here now. He wants you to engage with him. He loves us, cares for us. It's not just a theoretical idea. We don't use God just in theory. We believe he is a living, real presence. Seek him, you find him. You know that, and, and, we, and we believe one of the key things we want to be doing as a community is engaging with him. If we hope at all to be transformed by him, to be changed by him, to, we need to be engaging with him. When we come and worship this morning, I, I, you know, I hope you sang songs and you're, it'd be great if you're actually listening now. I don't, I, I don't feel bad if you're not listening because when I'm in your chairs, I can't listen. The only reason I talk is because I have an ability to listen. So I speak. But if you are listening, it's not to get anything. You, I'm hoping that you're engaging with God, that you're using whatever's being said or spoken or sung to actually engage in worship with God, that you're letting God search your heart out now, even as you're hearing these words saying, God, what do, what do you want to speak to me about? When you, you know, and it's not just we engaging together in corporate worship. We want people to be engaging every day, wherever you are. Throughout your day, God is present 24-7. Are you engaging with him? And it says, and his word. Because we believe that God and his word is inseparable. It is the living word of God. It is the out-breath of God. God has given his word that is a light to our path. You know, it's light and darkness. He guides us and leads us, speaks to us, comforts us, teaches us through his word. And people, that's, that's what a common thing throughout the history of the church. People have always centered the scripture there, knowing that this thing is alive. So as a community, we will always be promoting and finding ways to be engaging with God and engaging with this word. Doesn't mean what our methodology of doing that will be, but that is what, if we want to be, fulfill our vision, this has to happen. And what's the second area we're gonna be always active in? Fostering a caring community of disciples of Jesus. You know, we are communal beings. You know, one of the most popular things I hear from people these days is they say, um, I worship God, I just do it on my own. You know, and they'll talk about all the bad things church are. And I'm usually like, yeah, that's true. I always tell people, if you find the perfect church, don't, don't join it because you'll ruin it. <laughs> you know? Just, you know, the, the, the main problem with churches are, is our presence in them. All right? So they will always be problematic. Um, but the idea is that God has not made us to be individual. I think you want to engage with God individually. We've said this, and that's uh, an important piece. But God has made us to be in community. We're not meant to be individual. You have all kinds of gifts and abilities, but we're not all the same. We're not cookie cutter, right? We actually fit together like a big jigsaw puzzle. You know, the, the analogy used in scripture is a body. You know, we're all different parts. There's not a bunch of Holy Spirits. There's one spirit, which is in all of us, and we fit together. And all your gifts and abilities and resources you have, guess what, are not for you. We live in this incredibly, incredibly self-centered culture. We have lost the concepts of community because we think life's all about us and what we can do for ourselves and it's all building our own kingdom and not the kingdom of God. But we are actually fitted together. The gifts and abilities and cares you have are meant to be given to others. You are meant to serve others with your life and meant to be served by others. So many people think, I don't need anybody to do anything for me. That is one of the most foolish and prideful statements. It's foolish, frankly, wicked. 
in some ways. You know, you, we are meant to serve and to be served, care and be cared for. We are all weak. We're all in need of it. In some ways, you open yourself to be cared for, and that's what a community is supposed to be. And God has called us to be a community. And we always, as a church, we want to be a caring community. We want people to be invited into life, to be able to give to others and receive from others. There's a key piece, too. There's lots of communities that can be forming all over the world. It's easy to form a community in some ways. But we will be communities of people as, you know, fostering a caring community of disciples of Jesus. He will always be the center place of our community. You know, we believe, you know, we are encouraging one another to care and love, but encourage one another to, to follow him with all of our hearts, to walk with him, to know him, discipling one another, mentoring one another. You know, the, the word of God will be the center of what we do. And so it's a distinctive community with God at its head and the Lord of all and present. The third area is to bring God's healing to our hurting world. This world is a broken place. It is a hurting place. There are people hurting everywhere. And we are to be God's hands in the midst of it. We are the ones he uses. If someone's, you know, hungry and they're crying out to God for food, yes, there are times God magically goes and makes food appear in front of them. But the normal way is someone comes and gives them food. God uses us. When God tells something about himself, he uses someone to tell them. So we are, God wants our hands to be the ones in the world. We, you know, there's, there, there's a massive injustices and wickedness and evils and horrors. And we say, yeah, we want to be part of that healing, bringing God's healing into the world. Now that can happen in many different ways and forms. But you ask, you ask yourself, are we doing that? You know, this is a key thing. We want to be bringing that healing. Look at place of promise, right? Man, they, they're, they're rebuilding broken lives. They see themselves as an agent of God's healing, taking these people's lives who've been destroyed and broken, and how can we help restore them to all that God created them to be? That's bringing God's healing to our hurting world. And the last area we want to be operating in is inviting our neighbors to follow Jesus with us. Right? This is the good news. This is the great news that he, he sent out his disciples, that God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ. And he has created a way by which you can be forgiven and reconciled to God and you can know God and have hope and be with him. And, and all the things we're talking about, you can be a part of that. And we're not saying you need to do this. We're saying, come along with me and know him and love him. We're finding our neighbors around us you know, love our neighbor as ourselves, and invite them to come to know Jesus too. And that's always going to be part of what we are as a community. We always want to have a, a, a you know, if we're here in worship, some, we always want someone who has been invited to come along. We want everybody to invite their neighbors and talk to them, not just to come to church, but just to come to Jesus, right? <laughs> we're not inviting people to come to this place, although this place should be a welcome place to it. But you're inviting whoever you know in your life, realizing you are an ambassador of Christ. You know, you are a means, you know, it is God's will that other people come to know him. And you're his means. It's shocking, isn't it? You know, actually, I found that when I was a brand new believer and had no idea what I was talking about all the time, just simply having enthusiasm for God is when God would, would use the, I would say, the dumbest things, and God would, like, translate it. 
into something. They go, man, that thing you said last week was amazing. And they said it to me. I'm like, I didn't say that. You know, I don't remember saying that. You know, I thought, this is awesome. There's like an instant translation machine. God takes, I simply are willing to speak, and God's able to translate through his spirit into what they need to hear and change their hearts. But this is because God's the one at work, and God's the one who wants to change people's lives. It's not us trying to change people. God is wanting people to come to him, to place their hope in him. He holds his hand out, and basically he's telling people, there's the hand, grab it. But we always, as a community, we want to be operating in all these different areas. And then you stop and you ask, okay, so what will our methodologies be? And keep in mind, methodology should always be changing. Because the world you live in is always changing. The circumstances are always changing. You know, fostering a caring community, so which, uh, let's have small groups or Bible studies. Does that seem like a good way to do it? But we have our purposes, and if, if there's some point where you feel like that's not doing a good job of it, figure out how else to do it. You know, uh, bringing God's healing to our hurting world. We said, gosh, we're not doing a real good job of that. We want to actually build a whole team which just thinks about this all the time. That's our CMJ, right? Compassion, mercy, and justice. And as, as they're trying to apply it, they go, you know, there's compassion stuff where you just try to help hurting people. Then there's kind of justice stuff where you're thinking, why are the people hurting? We need to be thinking about that too. You know, it's not enough to hurt, you know, care for a bunch of hurting folks. Why are they hurting? Then you think, well, how can we as a church be involved with that? I see the justice stuff even, it's funny, you see those words these days. Isn't it incredible that a word like that, which is so magnificent and so biblically rich, now becomes a word that almost makes you go, gosh, because it gets abused so much out in the world. You know, people take wicked things, call them good, and then call it justice, you know. Um, but I'm saying, but as a, as, a, as a Christian, we don't worry about that. Right? We're, we're trying to follow Jesus and trying to bring his justice. And, and, and you know, we don't, the, the world right now does all nothing. And we go, no, we're not consumers of one idea or another, right? We are discerners. And ultimately, we're looking for Jesus' way to do it. And so we're trying to figure out methodology. What are the best methodologies now to do stuff? You know, we said, gosh, the world's talking about racism. So we, ought to, we ought to be thinking about that. It doesn't mean we accept everything that's being said or not said. You know, but we engage it, you know. Um, but I'm saying lots of things like that. But, so the methodologies are always changing. They're always flawed, always differently. But you're saying... But as a church, we want to be active in bringing God's healing to our hurting world. When COVID hit, right? What do you want to do? Boy, you know, we did concert for Chromebooks, you know, trying to get Chromebooks into the hands of Boston public schools, children who need them. You know, we had the family support initiative. Mary Phillips says, you know, we're thinking, gosh, there's, there's families at risk that are hurting. How can we come alongside? Or the benevolent fund, some people are hurting financially. How can we help them and care for them? But you're always thinking that way. You know, how do we get invite our neighbors to follow Jesus with us? We're thinking now, you know, we're going to do five for Christ, you know, coming up again, going, see the people who are around you and begin to pray for them and care for them. That's a, it's just a methodology. We're going to have Alpha again in January. And that was funny. Like in COVID, you think, given that circumstance, how do we invite our neighbors to follow Jesus with us? We said, well, let's try Alpha online. I got to tell you, I figured it would not work at all, but I didn't tell anybody that. I just, I find low expectations are my friend. The world's just this full of wonderful surprises all the time for me. You know, I figured, oh man, we might get a couple people or something, but good, hey, you know, go for it. Why not? Invite people, no fail to that. And then when all these people invited people, and then we had like, you know, 30 or 40 folks signed up and I'm like, who? I mean, Nikki invited our physical therapist and he's like, yeah, I'd like to know about Jesus. I'm like, what? I've been talking to him for like two years. He never... <laughs> 
why does he want to come to Alpha? And he loved it. And I thought, and then he's like, he goes, I, I found praise music so helpful. I'm like, you? <laughs> it's upset listening to this stuff. But, but once you, you know, but you're, whatever the circumstances are, you're thinking, how can I do this? You know, given these circumstances, how can we invite our neighbors to follow Jesus with us? And so the life will always change. Now we're in a new world again, right? Now we're in the kind of past COVID, kind of not past COVID. I don't know what's going to happen. Does anyone here know? I have no idea. But I do know what questions we're going to be asking as a church. I do know, no matter what the circumstances are, we're going to be asking ourselves, how can we actively engage with God and his word? How do we do that? How do we encourage our people to do that? How can we foster a, a caring community of disciples of Jesus in the midst of this circumstance? How can we bring God's healing to this hurting world? How can we invite our neighbors to follow Jesus with us? And hopefully that as we are active doing these things, we can then become and be a vibrant community, being changed by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and boldly following God into the world. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we believe that that is the desire of our heart, Lord, and I believe this is what you desire for us, that we would be a vibrant community of people being changed by you, empowered by you, and boldly following you out into this world. Oh, Lord, grant that the desire of our hearts. Oh, Lord, enable us. Lord, we long to engage with you, engage with your word. Help each one of us, even as we pray and ask, Lord, to be found, Lord, that we might find you and to be found by you. Oh, Lord, bless those efforts, Lord. Bless our desires to care for one another, to serve one another, to give us the humility to receive that care and love. Lord, put on our hearts and empower us to really bring your healing into our communities, to our neighbors, to our friends, to the people around us. And Lord, make us your vessels and invite people to come alongside to know you and to know the desperate need of their hearts is available. We praise you and thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.